Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. Welcome back to Puzzling Company. It is your host, Zach, and always with me is... J Money Jared. Okay, so your name's now J Money Jared. I had it officially changed. Oh, well, that's cool <laughs> we're gonna ignore jared and we're gonna move on to what we're really gonna discuss here and we're really glad you guys are back um on this episode we're gonna be talking about great games from the netherlands if i'm correct you are absolutely correct yes the games that are the dark park games that is including two that we'll be discussing one is gonna be witchery spell and the other is conspiracy 19 yes and they also produced a christmas game um, which we will not be covering in this review. Correct, yes. We will only be discussing Conspiracy 19 and Witchery Spell. Um, both games, I would say, are a blast. We'll go into more details later, uh, but we hope you guys stick around and enjoy the episode. All right, Zach. Pick a card, any card. Dude, we are supposed to be doing an ad right now. Okay, I know. Just, just be cool, Zach. You know I always wanted to be a magician. I don't think this is the right time or medium for a magic trick. But okay, I've picked a card. Okay, look at it and don't tell me what it is. And how's the audience going to know what card this is? Just just be cool, man. I, I just got this new Enigmas card deck, and I just wanted to show you a new trick I've been working on. Oh, Jared. I'm sure your trick's going to be great, but there's something you don't know about that deck. <laughs> okay, I see what's happening. <laughs> yeah, okay. What? You think you're a better magician than me. You think you know more about this deck of cards than I do. You're trying to heckle me and usurp the great Jared Zini. Jared, Jared, Jared. Well, I did back the project on Kickstarter, and I've been playing the puzzle game Hidden Inside. There's actually a full puzzle hunt you can discover. I imagine you got those over at davidkwongmagic.com. Nice try, Zach, but a magician never reveals his secrets. Magician's code. Well, if you're looking for an amazing experience from a real magician, I'm sitting right here. Then head over to davidkwongmagic.com and pick up Enigma's Puzzle Hunt playing cards. Well, gosh, that ad, you know, I, I'm not going to say I did really well in that ad, but I, I did great. But uh, anyways, this is, we're going to be opening into our first segment here. Uh, in this part, we're going to be discussing the things that we enjoy about the games, kind of our like overall thoughts of it, as well as room for improvements. This is actually going to be a little bit different than our normal one uh, because we're going to be discussing two games. So in this first segment, I think we're going to discuss the overall thoughts about both individually. And then we're going to go into like the room for improvement to talk about the thing that we thought each could have their own improvement and then kind of discuss them between each other. Yeah, the goal of what I think we're trying to do is, and you'll feel this throughout the episode, especially in our middle section today, is we're trying to ask people which game they preferred. Because we're talking about two games from the same creator. We're weighing them against each other. And I think the thesis, if I may use a very educated word, oh, yes. is uh, if one game is really better than the other, mind you, I will say we enjoyed both of these games a lot. Mm -hmm. Why? Sure. What made one game better than the other? And I think you'll hear from our review that we 
have an opinion on that. Mm-hmm. And then when we get into our middle section, it gets a little gray, which I'm excited about. Yes, I am excited to discuss that. And so I'm actually going to open up kind of this part um, by asking Jared actually a question. Jared, what did you think about Conspiracy 19? I really liked Conspiracy 19. It it took some twists. It took some risks. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot to like about this game. It just even from the onset, the way that you go about starting the game is unique. It Dark Park Games just does a really good job of setting tone and atmosphere for their games. And if you know the creator of Dark Park Games, that doesn't come as any surprise for you. Mm-hmm. But I think it is especially more than a lot of games we play. It is it is incredibly immersive in terms of the tone and in terms of setting the stage for the narrative. And I really liked that about this because this is not um this is not a light game. This is this gets into some uh, some darker things a little bit, shall we say? Oh, y- yes. To <laughs> yes, say the least. To say the least. But no, I think that's one of the big wins for them in both their games, which we'll talk about more when we also talk about Witchery Spell, but their introductions, especially cuz they usually use an an outside element Mm-hmm. Usually it's like a phone recording or a website to yes. start off the narrative. All well done. Yeah. Very much gets you. All very mood. well done. Like it sets you in the mood. It sets the urgency mm-hmm. of what you're about to be getting into really well. And then the game just kind of follows suit with that. There's really good puzzles. Um, there you're following the narrative. There doesn't seem to be any gaps in the narrative. And then you finish the game very strong. Mm-hmm. So overall, I just thought it was, I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was a really good game. There's a couple specific interactions. I'm looking at one on the wall right now that we have posted up that I'll always remember from this game. Uh, yes. And, uh, and I love those aspects. Like the physical, I think this game does a good job of using physical elements really well. Agreed. Okay. So I'm actually going to be the one discussing Witchery Spell. I thought Witchery Spell was fantastic. Um, by far a very good game. It, it it was a blast the entire time. I thought the narrative was very well done. I like the the aesthetic of it. The if you don't know much about the game, uh, it is a or it's obviously based around witches and uh, specifically a coven and an event that is about to happen, and you are trying to prevent it. Yes, um, and you learn more about that throughout the game. Um, you learn there is more than meets the eye to one, the coven, but also potentially the people who are trying to stop it. Yes. Or try to stop you, you know, and it kind of slowly unfolds that there's a lot more information about either side and who's technically correct, who's bad, who's good. And ultimately the ritual that you will do. Yes. Which, uh, in my opinion was one of the best processes uh, that I've enjoyed in a game. Yeah. That was a, th- like in talk in terms of talking about in game metas, the ritual was was very, very rewarding. Yes, every part of it from setting up the ritual to processing through it, each step felt rewarding. And then when you complete it, and then specifically the ending, it, it just ended. I think very well. I, I think the ending's kind of funny uh, looking back at it, which we'll discuss more later because I don't yes. want to spoil too much of what that yes. is. But but, uh, but overall, like if we're going to say what Dark Parks as a company does well, what would you say? I would say uh, like just environment and, and world building in terms of setting the stage for you. Yes. I really like their physical components mm-hmm. beyond the paper that they give you in game. And I, especially in Witchery Spell, the digital component felt very strong. Yes. Agreed. 
I think those are like in, in the culmination of all those things within a really strong narrative that they paint just makes these really great games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought like I didn't, I would play more. Oh, agreed. we should have played Santa. Yeah, what were we thinking? What were we thinking? We're silly, but we're going to, we're going to hash out more of the details of why we like these games so more once, once we start comparing, but as always, we do want to tack into a little bit of the constructive criticism and I'll open up with that is from a conspiracy 19. I felt like there was just a little bit lack of cohesion okay. overall. And what I mean by that is especially in terms of how we're comparing it, it didn't feel like as tight of a package as witchery spell did. I felt like there were a couple of puzzles that were just kind of, they're like, I, I, I could leave it or take it in terms of it fitting the theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in the story overall felt a little more convoluted than witchery. Witchery spell just felt tight. Mm-hmm. It felt every, everything felt like it mattered. Everything fit the world. And it just felt like it did that better than mm-hmm. conspiracy 19. I don't have any overall gripes from conspiracy 19. Uh, the, the only other thing I could say is that uh, it felt a little paper heavy compared to witchery spell and witchery spell. When it had paper, it felt more thematic. It felt more appropriate, mm-hmm. but overall uh, 19 is a great game, but I'm, and as you'll soon learn, I just felt like witchery spell and we, we'll talk about more reasons was the better game. Okay. I get that. Um, so going into witchery spell, I think the real big one was gating. Um, there's a few points where you kind of can skip around clues if you don't stop yourself. Yes. And um, specifically before you do the ritual, there's a lot of small things you have to kind of get information about to set up the ritual. And some of them are clues or different types of puzzles that you've done multiple of before yes. in the past. You know, I have a lot of experience with certain, a lot of these ones. And so when I saw it, I was just like, oh, that's like interesting. And I messed with it a little bit and I realized what it was. And then I was like, oh, I kind of like solved it yes. without really knowing what it did. You know, and then I realized, well, oh, this is on here. This is important. You know, and then later on the clue goes, oh, you should mess with this. And I go, oh, I did that. I already did that. <laughs> it was similar issues that we ran into with like box one. Mm-hmm. Like if the reveal hit you, then it was Awesome. Mm-hmm. But if you're just genuinely curious and a searcher of sorts, which I know you're a legendary searcher, Zach, That's true. then you're going to stumble on some things out of order that won't ruin the game, but you get to a point where a puzzle may have led you to say like, now look at this. Yeah. And you're like, I've already done it. <laughs> I already know that. I already know that information. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I think the thing is, yeah, I think that's something that a lot of games unfortunately have to deal with is that curiosity is just always a huge factor in some of these games and gating can be harder. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was the only thing that took away from like two of the experiences was that I kind of solved them without knowing what, no, you, you know, yeah. we were supposed to do with them. Um, outside of that, the only other minor issue we ran into, same thing we've had with other games is that I felt like the websites or the digital aspects that can be played on a computer, on a phone, we always try to do it on a phone. Cause I think it's just nice to have it next to me. Yes. Um, Because we do have a laptop, but we usually have, like, my desktop, which obviously I can't move. So it just feels like when I have it on my phone, it's nice because I'm like, okay, I can look up, I can look it up real quick. You know, sometimes they have, like, a QR code. I can scan it. I do it. And it works. But specifically with one part of the digital aspect for this game, 
it didn't work super well on a phone. Yes. And it became frustrating because what eventually happened with us, and like I said, this is just on us, I think, is that because it didn't work really well, I didn't realize that there was a setup to the ritual yes. and that the, the website directly tells you how to do it. Yes. And I just didn't have that for like a solid 15 minutes of the game and just fell off because like we have all this information, but I don't know what to do with it. And then when I pulled up on the website, I went, oh my, like on our computer, I was like, oh, this literally tells me. And we knew all the information about that point, so we just filled it all in. But like if I had it on my phone, I would have known like step by step what we were trying to work on. So that's like the the small thing we ran into in that game. But that's that was it for basically Witchery Spell. Yeah. No, and, and it is uh, just, again, those are minor issues. Mm-hmm. Um, very minor. Very minor. Both of these games, as we mentioned, we're big fans of. We really like dark part games and what they bring to the table. There is uh, kind of in direct opposite to what we talked about our last episode. They bring an intensity mm-hmm. and a reality and a, and a darkness. Yes. Uh, that I like. That is that is not every game that I want to play, mm-hmm. but when I want to play an intense game, I would look to Dark Park. Yeah, and because they're also unique, right? They're both of these stories were felt very original, and and they were just a high level of urgency to what was going on. Mm-hmm. But I want to move now into talking about because wh- how we felt when we played these games, and we both agreed in this, but maybe we'll see some. Uh, differences from us once we get into the second section is we felt like conspiracy 19 was a really good game but witchery spell was the superior game like it was just an awesome game agreed and we we sat around for probably longer than we've sat around for a while and talked about game theory and talked about why we thought that was Mm -hmm. and we had a really good conversation that we want to bring y'all into so that's why we're doing this first part a little bit because we're trying to wrestle within our own minds and maybe you do this too what makes a really good game and what makes a really great game Mm -hmm. Uh, what what is just that extra little kick to kick it over so zach as we were talking about that what were those conversations that stood out to you that you feel like are worthwhile bringing into the conversation on the pod yeah, I mean, the first thing was like, so for me, it is, it's like puzzle masking. It's like, how can I make the narrative and the puzzles work extremely well together that I never felt like I'm drawn out of it? It's like the immersion effect, yes. right? In Witchery Spell, what I felt like it did more than in Conspiracy, in my opinion, was that from the moment I started to the moment I ended, I felt like I was part of the ritual and there was never a moment that felt like the pace stopped. Yes, it kept smoothly going from step to step to step to step to step. Now we ran into the issue right with the website and that was like the only like potential halt, but that was like a minor thing. And like I said, I think it's mostly on my part, right? More than them, but it is something to look at. Yes. Um, but like the game, it just felt like the entire time there was never a dull moment in my head where I questioned what we were doing, you know, like anything like that. And some games you have those moments in conspiracy. It had came up, at one point because I just kind of realized what we were trying to do and like the objective and the game makes it clear what the objective is, what you're trying to gather, what information. But to me, it felt like it didn't, it felt like the masking didn't feel good enough for the narrative. Right. Like you could sense the puzzles outside of the narrative. Correct. Not on all of them. Not all, but some, but at one point, I mean, I'll be honest at one point in the game, I went, okay, I'm kind of drawn out of the game. I see what we're trying to do. Like I said, the moment that I internally do that, the game's not done for me. And it, not in any means, this was a great game. Like a, it was a very fun game, but it was just one of those moments that I just, it, 
it pulls me out. And then I go, oh, you know, I see what they were trying to do and I see what they wanted. And I think they did a pretty good job at it. They were just, there was a little bit of execution in the puzzle masking or the, like the pace that dropped me out of it. Yeah. For me, it's along those same lines. Like I try to look at it as an overall journey Mm -hmm. and the culmination of that journey in the meta puzzle of witchery spell just felt so authentic to the narrative. Mm -hmm. Like, in Conspiracy 19, you very clearly at the beginning of the game see the meta puzzle that you're working to. Mm-hmm. And it felt like you could apply that meta puzzle to a lot of other games, if that makes sense. If for those who have played both, you'll see what I mean. It didn't feel integral to the story or integral. Like it felt like you could have built a better meta or built something just a little bit more aimed at the thematic journey that we were going on. And I think that was true of the entire game. Cause the way that conspiracy 19 is laid out as you without spoilers, you have these groups of people mm-hmm. and you're tasked pretty much with a set of puzzles for each group of people and beyond knowing their backstory. It didn't really feel, it felt very sporadic jumping from this person's, information to this person's information it that's what i was bringing up earlier is it didn't felt like there was a whole lot of cohesion between that there was nothing bringing it all together whereas in witchery spell it did like we learned that we were trying to do this and every last puzzle was leading towards an element of that in terms of the narrative now that's true of conspiracy 19 but not always thematically or narrative. It felt like there are puzzles that pulled you away from it. And you were like, well, yeah, that's a really good puzzle, but it it didn't make me feel anything or drive home anything on the narrative. And to me, that is the, that is the big difference that you and I are trying to hit home on is that we were immersed narratively and puzzly hundred percent in witchery spell. Mm -hmm. And as you'll see in a minute, a lot of people say it had a mood, it had a vibe, it had like its own little world that you were going into. And maybe part of that is the theme, Mm -hmm. right? Witchery spell is kind of this fantasy. Conspiracy 19 has this kind of real world aspect to it. Mm -hmm. But I think that was the big difference for me is that just the cohesion of everything hit, whereas 19 had a good story and great puzzles, but it didn't come together. Like it didn't mesh as well as things did in witchery spell. I think I agree with that. Yeah. And then there were just a few, I think, and and then again, I think there were just a few littler issues in 19 that pulled us away Mm -hmm. from everything that just made us step out of it a little more, whether if it was a puzzle here or a puzzle there, I think that was the big difference for us, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to end the conversation here. I want to dig deeper into this and puzzles to the people. So hang on. We'll be right back. Solve puzzles, write reviews, win prizes. It's time for Puzzles to the People. Zach, you never responded to my email about the rally next week. The rally? Yeah, dude, they're trying to tear down the old tree off of Maine. That's a bat-coon habitat. I think you mean raccoon. <laughs> Zach, next thing you know, you'll be calling swargators alligators. Swargators? Bat-coons? Jared, what are you talking about? Dude, everyone knows that the American Society for the Protection of Magical Creatures spends countless hours trying to preserve the habitat of these magical and magnificent creatures. Do you want your kids growing up in a world where there's no lobguins? Do I? Well, that's a fair question. Lobguins are actually very temple creatures, but sometimes I can do without them. But 
What everyone should do is head over to theaspmc.org, that's T-H-E-A-S-P-M-C.org, and sign up to help their investigations. Only you can prevent the extinction of these magical creatures. All right, welcome back to Puzzling Company. This is Puzzles to the People, and as we usually do, we ask for feedback from people, and we want to talk about it, and that's exactly what we did here today. And I'm really excited about it. We went to the community and we said exactly what Zach and I are talking about. We didn't tell them what we thought. We simply said, Hey, but if you've played both conspiracy 19 and witchery spell, which do you prefer and why? And we want to talk about that. And I'm really excited about that because people have attached their names. We're attaching our names. Like, this is uh this is going to be fun to kind of have a debate not only you and me but maybe directly disagree or agree with people. Mm-hmm. Um and again if you were kind enough to to agree to leave us feedback we're not going to throw you under the bus. If we disagree with you we want to respectfully disagree with you. We honestly think that's one of the cool parts of our community is that we're talking about subjective things here right now and the fact that you disagree with us leads to a richer and deeper culture all in respect and love. Mm-hmm. So, Zach, I'm going to just read these in the order that we receive them. Okay. If you're out there and I brutally, brutally butcher your name, I'm so sorry. Please have, oh, no. please have some grace or mercy on me. Send me, a, send me a DM and say you blew it, and I'll try to make it up to you in a future episode. Uh, so this, is, this first comment is from Lauren Bello, who, if I'm not mistaken, is the most recent number one on the board for the bluefish games uh weekly puzzle i think so yes Ms. so Bello I, does I, very well. I think we're talking to a baller here i think so so what she said is the witchery spell is widely considered to be the better of the two but i will say that there is an interactive element in conspiracy 19 that felt more meaningful than the comparable interactive element in witchery spell and then she said i'm not trying to spoil anything she said, witchery spill felt moodier and more atmospheric, which I enjoyed. I think I agree with most of it. The interesting part that uh, Ms. Bello brings up is the whole interactive element between the two games and that saying that, if I remember correctly, they said that they thought the one in Conspiracy 19 was more interactive than the one in... It felt more meaningful. More meaningful. Okay. Yes. Interesting. I think narratively that makes sense. It's hard because because I don't want to spoil anything, but like the specifically the big interactive part in conspiracy is very well done. Yes. Definitely. I think narratively it's more pressure. Like you have to do it right. You have to figure out what's going on. Like, cause like, so we don't want to spoil any part of what's actually happening in the story, but like there's, there's pressure to get it right. Yes. And then they give you like a test to do and try to figure out if you're correct or not. Right. And that felt pretty cool. Like doing it like that felt very immersive when I did that. The hard part is the element that I would argue is that witchery spells interactive is the entire ritual and all the elements that feed into the ritual. And that's just, I think, in my opinion, I think witchery spells was more meaningful. Mm. In my opinion, I, I just, I think it fed better into the, in the meta. And I just, I, like I said, I think I just felt a little bit more, but I can't, I mean, I can't argue that it wasn't a good interactive puzzle the interactive puzzle that was in conspiracy was very well done yes and then i I agree with her too like the moodier and more atmospheric 
I think I think I just value that because I think that is so hard to pull off at home. Oh, it is. Right. And when you can do that, when you can suck me into your world as much, because a f- few games have done that mm-hmm. as well as witchery spell. Oh, agreed. Like we could probably count on our hands the games that have done that super well. Like even some of our top favorites haven't done that. Like we talk about, we talked about Hinks. Hinks did not pull me into its world as much as witchery spell did. Mm-hmm. Right. There was an atmospheric kick to witchery spell that was just top notch. Oh, yeah. Top notch. So I I totally agree with her on that. But I'm with you. And Jillian Raymond piped in here, too. If you don't know Jillian, she is puzzle legend, rock star. That's true. I don't know. I I, want to see uh, games played. And Jillian has to be up there. Oh, yeah. Has to. I I'm, I don't know if she's the all-time leader, if we like, you know, if we're <laughs> counting games, if we're like comparing games to games, but she's up there, but she's in agreement with Lauren. And so I think it just is this subjective difference on what hit you more, mm-hmm. what hit you more. But this next comment that I want to move to, I think this is super important and we don't talk about this stuff enough. So this is from Alistair and I know I probably butchered your name there, Alistair, but Just tell me how to pronounce it. I'll get it right in the future. Much love to you. He is also a staple in the puzzling world, has a lot of deep and insightful. I like reading when he has a comment up on the boards. But here's what he said, and I I think this is a good discussion point. He said, as an additional data point, you might also want to ask which game people played first. Since novelty is one of the things that can make a game enjoyable, I often find that people enjoy the first experience of a particular style company more than subsequent games. Um, And he said they played Witchery Spell first and thought it was the better game, which was our experience. And -hmm. I think there's a lot of validity. So let's let's go down that rabbit hole a little bit. Okay, I 100 percent agree. I think that is a point that we've brought up before on the show that when you play certain games, playing one before the other very much biases you towards your opinion it it just will it's i mean it's hard on the show to try to discuss two different games evenly right because your first reaction goes okay i played this game now i'm expecting this specifically in a new theme right and then you play a whole different game and that other game could be just as good but you expect this yes so now your head goes well it's not the same as that so is that one worse or is it the opposite that that one's so much like a more quality game that it blows that one out of the water. It feels like it has to be an extreme on both ends. Yes. It is, you know, it's harder to subjectively look at it and go or objectively look at it and go, okay, this one, they're both pretty close to each other. Just little differences. Yes. I I mean, it took us a lot of time of talking about it to figure out our true opinion and, you know, really thinking about it because when we played it, when we finished conspiracy, Jared will tell you, I had this weird look on my face where I was trying to analyze how I truly felt. (laughs) Because we knew we were going to do this episode. Correct, because I knew I was going to have to debate it against Witchery. And at the end of Witchery, I just genuinely really enjoyed it. And then I was like, oh, so ready for Conspiracy to see if it was going to be, you know, better or, you know, just as good, you know. And when we played it, we played through it. I had my moments. I really enjoyed it. Moments where I felt a little dropped out. And at the end, I just questioned everything. I was like, okay, did I genuinely think that was just as good or am I biased in this game? You know? And it's it's a really hard question because I think if we would have played the opposite first, playing Witchery Spell could have potentially been either better than Conspiracy, or maybe we would have thought it was, you know, like, it's just a, it's a hard question. Yeah. But, but I, it, it's a great point to bring up, though. Yes. I, and, and I agree with the premise. 
mm-hmm. there is novelty that you get in certain things that because that was your first and you did that first, it sets expectations for other things. Oh yeah. So let's talk about, um, let's talk about a, I want to talk about a couple different things here. Cause I, I think this is a super fascinating point that okay. he brings up there. Let's talk about our world first. And then I mm-hmm. want to talk about a couple of adjacent worlds and okay. how this, how I've seen this play out in, um, I'll, I'll try to say this as cryptically as possible. And I know you'll know what I'm talking about. There's a really cool moment in the game soup mm-hmm. that you also get to experience a very similar element of it when you play runes of Odin. Oh yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. So I'm going to ask you, did that make runes of Odin lesser? No, it, that is actually really interesting to think about. Did it, did it make that moment in Runes of Odin lesser? Yes. It did. Okay, interesting. Not that I didn't think it was cool, but the first time that it happened, we... You you lost your mind? I lost my mind when I learned that that was a thing you could do. Yes. Which sounds dumb, because now I know it's a very common thing that yes. you can you can achieve. And we've seen it, and we've seen it. it. And it, like we recently played, uh, it's it's in witchery it, spell. It's in it's in we yeah, in witchery spell. Like there there are elements of it in all of the games. But but my question is like going towards that line. Like, does that mean it was that that element was better in soup than it was in Runes of Odin? No, that that's that's actually crazy to think about. No, I don't think that it made that one way better. It's just that's the first time I saw it, and it blew my mind. Then so when I saw it again, it's not as mind blowing. Yes, you're like oh. Like the moment I realize what it is, I'm like, oh, that's what we have to do. But it doesn't mean it's not as good. It's just like your your nostalgia goes like it's not the like it's not as surprising as the first. It's like when you see jump scares, like after the first you might get a jump scare in a movie. Right. And you get like freaked out by the first one, but then you expect it almost all the time. Yes. So that's I feel like that's one of the crazy part about playing so many different games is after a while. And I could be wrong in this, but I feel like I'm starting to feel this is that once I've played so many different types of puzzles I'm not surprised by them anymore. Sure. But you can appreciate, oh, appreciate how, they're, them. Yeah. how they're integrated. Oh, hundred percent agree. Okay. With that. So, so I want to take it to, I want to take it to a couple of different other worlds. Okay. Now. Uh, let's talk about board games. Cause you and I play board games together too. Yes. You and I have both played one night werewolf together. Yes. And we've both played secret Hitler. Yes. Different games, mm-hmm. both hidden identity games though, yes. where you are trying to garner intelligently information to make moves in the game. Mm hmm. I have an opinion. We played one of those first, mm-hmm. and but I have an opinion on which one is better. Wow, that's a that's another hard question. So you're asking me which one I think is better? Yeah, yeah, because I want to I want to get into the is the first always better? Like I think this is just a super fascinating point to discuss. This is so hard because you and I pl- we played one night first. Yes, we did, play and one then night. we played Secret Hitler later on. Yeah, it's crazy because here's my thing: the difference is in. Okay. Wow. This is hard. Okay. So my opinion is this. We'll start with this part. Uh, They both are very similar. They do have a few smaller elements where you are in both games. You technically don't know who's all on the same team, except for the quote unquote bad guys of the game. Right. Like they, you get told like, Hey, you can see your other partners and try to work with them in, in secret Hitler. You are kind of more, of a, it, they're both teamwork games, but I feel like in in One Night Werewolf, it's less of teamwork until you realize who truly is safe. And I guess it's the same in Secret Hitler. That's just hard. I feel like I do. Okay, this is a biased answer, obviously. 
I feel like I do better in Secret Hitler than you do in War. in in One Night Werewolf. But the difference is in 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 Secret Hitler, there's so much you can do to lie, but at the end of the day, your objective is the same. And I guess it's the same technically in One Night Werewolf. Like your objective is for the either the the town to win, the werewolf to win, or the hunter or sure. whatever the person who's trying to get themselves killed. But if but that's what I'm getting. Like like my I'll tell you mine first. Okay. I think One Night Werewolf. Is better is the better game. It's the it's the game that I personally would rather play. If you if you said like let's get a group together and play X or play Y, mm-hmm. um, I, I and I think there are reasons for that, and I don't want to get into all of that. Sure. But we played One Night Werewolf first, and I think it's the better game still. So I'm wrestling inside. It's like, is it because I played it first? But then we've played it so many times that I just think that there are elements of it to come back. And, and I'm in the same boat here. So. I have to agree with the comment here and saying, yes, there was a stroke of novelty when we played witchery first mm-hmm. that probably did take a little bit away from Conspiracy 19. Yeah. But then to sit down and have the in-depth discussions that we had then that we're having now, I still think for the reasons listed that it is the better game. Mm-hmm. Novelty aside, I think the, there's some better puzzles. And again, I think the cohesion of everything tied together is just tighter and better in that game. Third point on this thing. I just love talking about this. I think it's so interesting. Escape rooms. Oh, okay. Let's bring escape rooms in. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk about my experience first. Then I want to hear something from you. Okay. Some of the first games that I have played, um, were in Tampa, Florida. Okay. And uh, actually at a company that just shut down at rabbit hole escape games, which is sad to me because it's one of my all time favorite companies mm. in their earlier games. If you look at some of their reviews, they did not do so hot. Their, their games before they closed were top notch, mm-hmm. but they, they had um, a game, one of their earliest games. It was a Bermuda triangle room and dad gummit. If to this day, I still think it's one of my favorite rooms of all time. Mm-hmm. But if if you go back and other people have played it, and if you play that now, you'd be like, Jared, that was not maybe the best game. But to the point here, it did things I hadn't seen in other rooms before. Mm-hmm. And when I saw them later on in other rooms, I was like, the the you know, kind of the first time, your first, your first. And so I, I identify with that, with that. Like, I think that was one of my favorite games I've played. But had I played that as my 100th, 200th game, would I be singing the same story? Mm. Probably. If I'm being honest, probably not. Mm. So have you, like, do you, like, you've, we've played a lot of escape games together. Like, looking back, do you have favorites that if you had stacked them later on in your order of games played, would they be less? That's really interesting because, so my first games were actually when I started working at MER. I did not play any before. MER is Murphy's Murphy first game. Yeah. Yes. So um, I had played those ones first. My first room ever was Dinner for Two. Um, I did not do well in the game, and I I had to learn it for the job, but it, I will be honest, it, I, it for being my first game, I was just like, this is interesting, but it wasn't like my favorite. Sure. But, you know, it was my only game. And then we started playing more like, uh, you know, I would go and play some like at the escape game. You know, we I mean, there's tons. I honestly want to say some of my favorite games came later more than beginning. Interesting. Because I just feel like it was different. My starting point was doing it for a job. Now, I'm not saying that I didn't enjoy them, but, you know, but it's it just, skewed. The- it's skewed because after a while, I also learned how it worked and I ran them like, you know, at some point I go, OK, well, this is more of like a job thing. And I'm also like biased that they're good. But, you know, I wanted to look at other games. So, like, that's an interesting aspect of it is that I start out, I learned by working them. 
And then when I went and played other people's is when I really got a perspective of what games I really liked and then the ones that I had played at Murphy's Show Escape Rooms, which ones I really enjoyed. Like Blind Pig is one of the rooms that we have at Murphy's Show Escape Rooms is by far one of my favorite games I've ever played, especially the newest, for like the version we have for like the last two years. Yes. Right? When we remodeled it. Like that room has been by far one of my favorites. Obviously, I'm very biased. Uh, go to Murphy's Show Escape Rooms. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I didn't pay him to say that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but it's... It's one of my favorites. Like, I just look back at it. The theme was good. The aesthetic. Like, everything I really enjoyed. Because when I've played other games that have some of those same elements, it just wasn't Doesn't done. compare, yeah. It just didn't compare. Yeah. You know, but then I go and play some games like the Escape Game, right, in Nashville, because of the ones I've played. Um, like, playing, like, Sabotage. Yeah. Was, a, like, one of the most enjoyable experiences because of the aspect of the game, which isn't a spoiler. The game is a competition room. Yes. Um, but I... So, me... And uh, Corey Dickman, a great guy, uh, we were on a team together, and then it was Jared and Corey's dad facing off against each other. And I had not had more fun than me and Corey talking crap about them two and trying to solve puzzles quickly. And then there's an element in the game where you have, like, basically a discussion between the two teams to do something. Yes. And you can lie in it. Because at the end of the day, once that discussion's over, you can go and there's basically a decision point where you can decide to help each other or basically... Screw each other. Screw each other. You can sabotage each other. So my favorite part of that game, and it's still one of my memories that I I love, is the moment that the phone showed up that you get to call the other team and there's a window to see each other, and it showed up that it was Jared on the other side and it was me. And then that laughing smirk that we both gave each other as we both were trying to realize if we're going to lie to each other (laughs) or if we're going to tell the truth, because Jared knows my lying very quickly. Like I I mean, I'm not a good liar, but it, it just... It was so funny, and it's just one of my favorite memories. But yeah, as games go on, when you play some of the games that have the same types of things, like you said, the novelty goes away as much. Yes. So I, I agree. But I think for me, the lucky part is that the games that I genuinely enjoyed the most, a lot of them came later, if that That's makes interesting. sense. interesting. So in your to kind of wrap up this comment, I know we've talked about this a lot. You're saying that, and I think I'm saying that, the statement is true. Novelty does have an effect on us. Yes. But there is also an ability to, as best as we can, nullify that in terms of when we're debating what is better than the other, mm-hmm. given the fact that I agree with your earlier statement. We're not talk, always talking about apples to apples. Yeah. Or, or like, and, and, and that's true. Like, how can you compare one game to another? That's what we try to task ourselves to do. And that's the fun of it. And we're not ever trying to make wholly objective universal truth statements here. We just think it's really interesting, engaging to debate fun, good games. Yes. So let's move on to the next comment. This is from Phil Hill and Phil is a mainstay in the boards that we, oh, we yes. talk about as well. He said, I played conspiracy 19 first, but preferred witchery spell. They both had cool puzzles, but some of conspiracy 19 ones felt like they were a bit shoehorned into the game. Mm-hmm. He said, witchery spell was completely on theme thoughts on that. I agree. I mean, that's, uh, we've kind of talked about already. That's basically the point that I'd brought up. Like, yeah. I, I think it's spot on to what my opinion was early on. Like, I, I think what your spell was more thematically tight as Jared has put it. And the the narrative and the puzzles all really flowed together really well. And I never really questioned it. And conspiracy was really good. It just had a few moments that felt that it didn't thematically feel tight. Yeah. I, I think he nailed it. The the yeah. comment about things being shoehorned in mm-hmm. to Conspiracy 19, like when I read that a, a, a day or two ago before we taped the show, I was like, 
yeah, those are the words I'm, I've been looking for. Yeah. Like um, it, the, the, some puzzles could have been more thematically tied in. I think he just nails it on his mm-hmm. head. No, enough said with Phil. I think we're in yeah. the boat with Phil. Uh, next one is from Rob Schultz. He said, I played witchery first and do not dispute that it was neat, but he had more fun with Conspiracy 19 okay. because it felt like more of a game, both in terms of having things to do and feeling like those things had some sort of effect or meaning on what was going on. Witchery's spell was perhaps more like a ride. That's a really interesting analogy. This is hard because I don't like fully disagree with them. Like, I, I get it. I think it brings a different aspect that we look at is sometimes when you play a game, you want a game. And then some games feel like they're not a game. Because of a heavy narrative? Correct. I mean, it makes sense. Like, I get where you co- where they come from because of the ride analogy. Like, you get on the ride and it feels like you're involved and you're a part of it and it kind of goes. Uh, you know, the journey goes. You go up, you go down, and then it ends. Right? And it was fun the entire time. Like, it was a roller coaster. You, you enjoyed the, the journey that it was. Yes. But the difference is, like, sometimes you get so immersed in the game that you forget that it's a game. Like, and that sounds like, that sounds like a, that's a weird compliment and a, like potentially a, a diss and it's not, that's a very good thing that a game can immerse you that well. But I, I, I can understand where conspiracy is clearly more of like a objective based game where you are trying to solve and do different things yes. to complete a meta puzzle. And you have to do the same things in witchery spell, but I think it's, it's just how it's presented. Correct. The, pre- the presentation's different. Yes. And, and, and I think what Rob's highlighting here is like, he's saying, I have a preference. Mm-hmm. And maybe more of what Rob's I'm projecting here is, sure. I like games to be games and maybe stories to be stories. And, and maybe that, identi- maybe Conspiracy maybe. 19 identifies more with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I think our overall concept disagrees with what rob is saying here agreed um he's saying i prefer 19 we're saying we prefer witchery spell but that is a very interesting point that he brings up because that is the intersection of where we're seeing the gaming world at yes so and i mean this on uh i mean this on a lot of different fronts Mm. in video games in escape rooms in what we're talking about is it feels like the direction of where we're heading and it all ties back to the big i word which is immersion is we have to make things more immersive. We have to tie all of these things together to where people forget and lose themselves in this game in terms of putting the player as a representable point within the game, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think we would all agree Mario, Super Mario is a dope game, but you you are Mario. Yeah. Right? Like, you are playing the character of Mario, but where it feels like a lot of these other things are heading is no, you're playing yourself. And I think maybe more in 19, you felt like you were playing a character maybe. Hmm. And in conspiracy, you were, or I'm sorry, in witchery, you were kind of part of what was going on. You know, the role of what you were playing maybe felt a little more like a ride. And then in 19, you felt a little bit more in control. No, I I think that's a great thing to bring up. I mean, that was going to be my comparison is that, I mean, you play some board games and video games because you do play a character. Like you said, it's Mario or like I was going to make like, you know, 
I'm I'm Samus, right? Like I'm right. playing that character. It's right. clear that it, I like it the is game. A, it is a predetermined character. Yeah, I'm playing Metroid. I'm playing a Samus. Right. I know it's Samus. And WoW, you've played. You're playing a character that you developed. Correct. Yeah, I was gonna say that's the thing about WoW. Like what, what I like about WoW is that it, the par- the purpose of WoW is it's supposed to mer- like why people like it and why it's addictive is the game dr- like is immersive. Yes, you get fully into it. Like you know, I make my character. I I play it. I mean, Jared will tell you, I love my character. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of what I do in that game, you know, and the, you know, the stories that I've been able to go through in the game, but also the like accomplishments I've gone through. Like it's so immersive that it, 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 I mean, it's real to an extent, like what I've been able to, you know, like what you can achieve in the game and what you can do. It's a video game at the end of the day. Right. But like anything you, you can achieve more out of it or look for things that you want or desire in a game. But yeah, sometimes it's nice to just go, okay, I'm playing as, as Zagreus, the son of Hades, I'm, I'm not Zagreus. I can, I can influence things like I am him. Sure. Right. Cause you can make, you get decisions, but like, I'm not the son of Hades. You and, know? and I think the other, or am I, I've, or are you? The other point of this is, and I think this is, this could be interpreted where Rob was going with the term ride is on a ride. You do get an experience mm-hmm. and it's a fun experience, but the ride is going to happen one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Right. Like your ability to interact within that is semi limited. Sure. Like I think of the um I think of the Buzz Lightyear ride at Disney World. Okay. If yeah. you've ever read that where you're shooting the lasers, yes. you, you can score a high score, but you're gonna end where you're gonna end. Correct. The ride has a predetermined right. destination. And and so and, and so maybe that is part of it is too, is like it a ride is atmospheric, a ride is this, but it's more or less self guided through it. And mm-hmm. I didn't get that vibe from witchery but i could see you know based on what lauren was saying in her earlier comment there is this very heavy vibe sure experience to it mood that is going on and that can carry you away in that and maybe Mm -hmm. that's maybe that's not your choice of game so a lot of respect to what you're saying rob final comment is from russell hewson Russell says, played all three, talking about the Christmas game, which, again, we did not review as a part of this episode today. Mm. Played all three. His order was Witchery Spell, Dear Santa. Then? Then Conspiracy 19. He said, interestingly, I have no real memory of anything specific about Conspiracy 19, uh, which doesn't seem like a recommendation, (laughs) which is really interesting. Now, we didn't play Santa, but I do remember reading back through the boards that there was a lot of warm reception for their Santa game. Yeah. Yeah. So I can understand that, but we just wanted to throw Russell's in there to kind of tie that in there with a game that we didn't review, but I just want to say thanks for everyone for throwing their comments out there and and opening opening up some, some cool conversations and thanks for engaging with us. If you have more comments for our comments, hit us back. Like I'm, I'm interested to keep having these conversations going. Mm-hmm. I know, I know Errol's out there, someone lurk, lurking for uh-huh. a, for a, for an in-depth puzzle conversation. I, I sense his presence. I mean, he's, he's been pretty public about making even a list of people who you can discuss that stuff yeah. with. And it, it's, it's a blast. Absolutely. So if you're looking for more in-depth nerdy puzzle talks, hit us up. We're always, we're always down for more of a conversation, but that's going to wrap us up here for puzzles to the people. Again, thanks to everybody who threw their hat in the ring with their comments. We'll be right back with questions for creators. There are some awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve. This is questions for creators. All right, Jared, I got to cut out a little early today. I have an interview. An interview. You didn't tell me about that. Where at? What soup? Oh, nice. I've heard really great things about the soup shed off of I-24. So come on down to the soup shed. No, Jared. Soup is a society for the observation of unknown phenomena. They actually sent me my first case as a test. 
Take a look at this folder. Why is this folder full of pictures of me? Well, they are all about documenting the weird and bizarre. If you'd like a chance to join Soup, head on over to crackinutmysteries.com. How did they get this picture of me in the shower? Well, welcome back, guys. We are in the section that is called Questions for Creators. In this segment, this is a part where we get to talk to the amazing people who create the games that we discuss on the show. So we uh, did discuss Dark Park's games that are Witchery Spell and Conspiracy 19. And we have the amazing creator to be on today, which is going to be, I think it's going to be a blast to get to talk to them. Yeah, this is a, this is a really cool creator yes. to have on. Um, and I'm always blown away at, uh, as you and I are single language speakers, mm-hmm. a lot of our European developers can speak multiple languages. And I just wanted to thank our creator today for speaking the language that we speak. Yeah, that was really, which is was very appreciated. Like, like that is not, I think we take that for granted yes. a lot as Americans that people will just conform to our way of doing. And I want to like say ahead of time, like, thank you for yes. speaking to us in English. That means a lot. Yes, very much so. Uh, so yeah, you want to open us up, Zach? Yeah, we'll get right into it. Let's do it. So tell us your name and why you decided to create at-home mystery and puzzle games. Uh, well, my name is always, uh, <laughs> in international meetings, uh, a funny start. It's, uh, Gijs Geers. Good luck pronouncing that one. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> it's a typical Dutch name. Uh, I used to be an actor. I was, I, I was educated and trained uh, as an actor and I played in musical theater uh, productions. Um, uh, so that's where my love for storytelling comes from, I guess. Uh, and then at some point, I, uh, when, you, when you are in a, t- in a theater show, you have a lot of moments that you have nothing to do. So uh, a lot of actors start uh, smoking and stuff. And uh, I, I played a lot of games on my phone, um, uh, waiting, sitting in the theater before the show. Uh, and I, I discovered um, um, escape room games on my smartphone. This was like eight years ago, I, I think. Um, and uh, I was like, wow, wouldn't it be cool if we built this in in the real world? Like a room and the door's locked and there's a theming and a story and you need to find the key and escape. Um, and I told people about it and they were, they were like, yeah, you should do it, you should do it. So I, I rented a building and I, uh, I bought some equipment and I started building my first escape room. Uh, and I didn't realize, I didn't know that escape rooms already existed. Uh, <laughs> not yet in the Netherlands. There were like two escape rooms in the, in the Netherlands, one really, really good one and one uh, not so good one. And I was like, okay, let's not, uh, let's just keep building what I have uh, uh, envisioned in my mind and uh, let's not look at what the others are doing. Uh, but when I was almost finished, I was like, okay, maybe I should go look at what, what they have done. And uh, one of them was uh, Escape Room Bunschoten. Uh, most people already know them from uh, the Meisjeskamer and the Dome, one of the uh, the best escape room uh, arguably in in the world. And uh, they did with their first room such a great job that I was like, oh, <laughs> crap. <laughs> so uh, I took some stuff out and, and I, uh, uh, we had a, a lot of the same ideas. Eric, uh, the, the, one of the owners of Escape Room Bunschot, is actually a great friend of mine now. And we, we think alike. We have a lot of the same ideas. Um, uh, and um, so we changed some stuff and, uh, and we opened and a lot of people loved our first escape room. Um, uh, so we built another one and another one and we hired another building. And now we have like uh, with Stay in the Dark, our newest escape room, we have uh, three locations 
six escape rooms. Uh, and we actually won, uh, I lost count, but I think five Turpico awards. Five or six. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's amazing. This this uh, uh, international recognition from uh, people who I admire and uh, uh, people come in, into my place, the things that I built, and they say, wow, this is amazing. This is top of the world. That's like surreal. But then... Um, we got this pandemic <laughs> in the world uh, and we had to close everything. And I, I sat at home and I was like, okay, so I can do two, two things now. I can uh, start crying real hard or I can try to, to make something out of it. So uh, the very next day I decided to uh, start creating uh, an escape room game for at home. And uh, I think within three days we created the website, we announced it. And all our fans were also shocked, of course, by the lockdown. And they were like, we should help them. Let's buy the game. So everybody bought the game, Conspiracy 19. Uh, and uh, then we actually had to do it <laughs> because we didn't have a game. We just had a, a name and an idea and a website. Uh, so we had like, what was it? Uh, a month or so to create Conspiracy 19. We worked extremely hard day and night. I didn't see my children. I didn't see my spouse. <laughs> uh, and uh, and we made it. We finished it. Uh, uh, our employees helped to to put the boxes together um, because we had, of course, the, the the staff was doing nothing, and I had to pay them. Uh, and we had a lot of space because the escape rooms were empty. So we had long tables and machines and stuff, and and we were packing boxes day and night. And we started shipping them, and everybody loved them. Uh, almost everybody loved the first game. They were like, "Wow, this is amazing! You, 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 you figured out a way to put these experiences in a box." Um, and um, I was like, "Well, if people like them, maybe we should keep doing this, <laughs> but maybe with a little less stress." So, with our next game, Conspiracy of a Witchery Spell, we gave ourselves a little bit more time. I think three months to create Witchery Spell, and uh, I guess it worked because. People love that one, maybe even more. So tell us a little bit more about your company, Dark Park. We know that it does more than just at-home puzzle and mystery games. And I think our audience would love to hear about what else you're involved in. So we do escape rooms, we do at-home adventures, and we also do urban X-throwing. Uh, so we started not as Dark Park, but as uh, Escape Challenge. And then a few years later, I was at, I think, Up the Game, the escape room conference in the Netherlands. And I saw a, a talk by Bob Malkus. He was CA, CEO at uh, uh, Fox in the Box, of course. Uh, now he's not CEO anymore, but uh, he's still the owner. Um, and he talked about how important the name of your company is. And I was thinking about... Yeah, escape challenge. It's like it's a good name. Everybody knows us. The, the people know we uh, we we already had won uh, two Turpica awards. Everybody knows that we we have quality, uh, but the name is just not unique enough. And then I heard him talking, and I was like, this guy knows what he's talking about, and he is right. Uh, but the thing is, and I think a lot of escape room owners have the same fear that if you have a name that people already know, it's really hard to say, okay, let's just forget about that name and uh, um, and give ourselves a new name. Uh, but I decided to do it because I think that a brand, a strong brand for your escape, escape room is really, really important uh, and it should stand out from the crowd. So Bob Malkus always talks about chicken banana which is a really weird name for an escape room. 
But once you've heard it, you are not likely to forget it. Uh, so I was like, are we a chicken banana kind of company? No, we are not. <laughs> we are, we built mostly scary escape rooms. <laughs> so uh, uh, so we, we uh, had a lot of names uh, and we came up with Dark Park. Uh, uh, which which we immediately uh, like the sound of of uh, when when you hear dark park you're not sure what it is but you want to know more if you are into this kind of stuff so we changed our name in in dark park and I think a lot of uh, escape room uh, enthusiasts around the world now know the brand dark park and I'm not sure if that would have happened if we were still escape challenge so how has your experience as an escape room creator influenced your tabletop games. Um, I think it helped a lot because you know how people think, you know how to create a puzzle, you know how to tell a story. Uh, but the unique thing about our escape rooms is um, the the feeling that we give you. So uh, uh, it's it's mostly experience. Uh, we have some 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 good and strong puzzles, but I think it's it's even more important to that the experience is is um, uh, the illusion is is real that you really forget that it's not real and uh how do we do that by by making people feel something uh like when you uh watch a, a great movie like why why is uh the notebook a movie that so many people especially women remember even after 10 years it because it, it not because of the great acting and the music and the story that's all great but because it made them feel something and that's something i try to do in my escape rooms and i think up till now uh, with with success uh, and that's why people want to play all our escape rooms because they want a feeling again that that feeling or another feeling uh, which is uh, um, something else than just having fun and, and solving puzzles or seeing some cool scenery or being scared or something uh, by, by some scary puppets or i don't know and uh, the hard part was to uh, take that part and put it in a box because we couldn't use um, uh, lighting, uh, special effects, music up to a certain point, but not with sound design and stuff, uh, moving elements. Uh, we couldn't use all of that. So there were a lot of li limitations. And what we tried was to uh, put a bit of, of that magic in a box. And I think we succeeded. There was a quote by Ken Ferguson. Um, he said, uh, witchery spell has a level of immersion that I th didn't think was possible in an at-home adventure, which was like one of the greatest compliments someone could get uh, for, for uh, an escape room box. So from a creative standpoint, and I, I mean this, obviously there's a lot of build out that goes into an escape room and that could be time consuming, but from a creative standpoint, developing the game, What's harder for you to create, an escape room or an at-home game? They both both come with with uh, different difficulties. I think uh, an at-home game is slightly harder because uh, you have limitations. In an escape room, if you have enough budget, you can do anything. Uh, in an at-home adventure, if I want to uh, scare you, which we're going to try in our newest game, <laughs> Never House. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a horror game. Uh, and I'm not sure how that uh, that is going to work out, but I hope we uh, we will succeed. Um, that's, that's a lot harder when you're in your own house with your friends in, in just a normal setting on your kitchen table. And, and um, 
So creatively, I think it's a little bit harder to create an home adventure, but budget-wise, it is uh, a lot easier to create a home adventure because in with the budget of one escape room, we have now created uh, three and a half home adventures. Uh, so for me, it's a way to um, explore my own and my team's creative creativity and see what a, because we have a lot of ideas and um, an escape room you you pay like uh, two three four hundred thousand euros to to create an escape room uh, and now we are able to uh, create more adventures for our fans uh, with less budget which is great talk to us about your puzzle creation process uh, so what I always try is to make everything fit. Uh, if I create a game about, I don't know, um, uh, um, a medieval game, and there are modern elements in there, every, every great uh, designer knows that you shouldn't do that. Uh, everybody should uh, help create the illusion. Um, yeah, so we start with the story, a, a setting, a story, a theming, and then we start creating the characters and their story. We have always we have a huge backstory that you will never see when you play the game. Uh, but because we have created it, everything makes sense in the game. And we have all these characters and, and where they live and where they work and what they do and what they love and what they hate and who they love and uh, what their pets' names are and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then, uh, and this is where my spouse comes in because she's really good in uh, coming up with stuff that fits this story. So uh, uh, a stupid example, but when, when the game would be about a dentist, she comes up with ideas like toothpicks or uh, dental floss or uh, toothbrush and et cetera. Uh, and she comes with all these new and brilliant ideas. Um, and then we try to create puzzles. So when I would uh, build an escape room, I often go out and I buy, uh, I don't know, uh, an old cabinet or an old table. And then when I see it, uh, there's often a, a hidden drawer in there or I see puzzles everywhere. Uh, when I was young, I, I, I wanted to become an, a magician, an illusionist like David Copperfield. And then when I drove my bike to school, I would look around and I would see illusions everywhere. So uh, I would see a crane and I saw myself hanging from it, or I would see a car and I saw myself escaping from it. And I now I have the same with uh, with um, uh, escape rooms. I see puzzles everywhere. So it's it's like a, a process that goes kind of automatically. And what can we look forward to in the at-home world from Dark Park? We know that you make a lot of really cool escape rooms, but what can we expect coming to our mailbox soon? So we have recently finished Stay in the Dark, our biggest and most ambitious uh, real-life adventure so far yet. Um, uh, we are working on three new home adventures at the moment. Uh, we are working on a baby which is not dark park related, but uh, uh, the beginning of June, <laughs> there will also be a baby. So we need to finish Never House before that, because otherwise I will be in trouble. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, I have several ideas for great new escape rooms, but budget wise, that's the hardest thing, uh, especially after uh, more than a year of uh, lockdown uh, Corona stuff. Uh, we don't have that much money <laughs> anymore like most of us. Uh, thank God we made a lot of money with the home adventures, but I invested uh, most of it again in Stay in the Dark. 
so uh, I'm broke again. <laughs> and this is a question that we ask everyone. Um, what games are you playing right now? You know, that could be anything from like video games, board games, other games by creators. But what are you playing currently and would recommend others? The funny thing is it, uh, I buy most of them. If it looks great, I buy them. But I, I'm not really a player. So uh, when I get it, I'm really excited and uh, wow, the, the, it's here like a root of all evil or a mysterious package company or a puzzle post or uh, uh, you name them. And then I open it and I look at all the objects and I'm like, wow, how did they create this? This is so beautiful. Uh, but I'm not a player. So then I put it in the box exactly the way I find it because I want to play them. But I have three kids and a fourth one coming and they also need some attention. So uh, when they are finally in bed, all of them, I'm usually too tired to play a game. Uh, and uh, I have a closet full of them, but I've not played that many of them. Um, I recently played yesterday, yesterday, actually, the clue box, the little wooden boxes from, I think, Germany or Austria. They were beautifully crafted. Uh, because we uh, decided with the money we uh, uh, we made with the home adventures to buy a professional laser machine, uh, which is a huge investment, uh, um, and it's coming next week, and I'm looking forward to it. So we're exploring what we can do with it uh, for our uh, home adventures. We're going to create a very unique element for Never House. So that gave me an excuse to buy the machine. Uh, <laughs> um, so I like that one. I... I love the looks of uh, Root of All Evil uh, by uh, Crack and Nut Mysteries. Uh, I'm looking forward, of course, to Spectre and Fox by Nick Moran and uh, uh, Emerald Flame, of course. Um, and um, let me think. Uh, Puzzle Post in the Netherlands, of course. Uh, I only played the first one because I'm not a player. I have the other ones. Uh, but the first one was already so good. And he, he started as, as the first one in the Netherlands with his games. Uh, and he set the bar so high. Uh, I have huge respect for Ruud, uh, Ruud and, uh, and his games. Uh, but they're still only in Dutch, which is a shame because I think a lot of international players would love to play them. Uh, Meester 1843, which is also a Dutch game. Uh, but I think they're working on an English version and I haven't played it, but I have it and it looks amazing. <laughs> and a lot of uh, Mysterious Packets Company, of course. Um, and I'm probably forgetting a few, but this is what comes up right now. Yeah. Wow. That, that honestly was an, an excellent. We have to get to the Netherlands. We do. Like, we, oh. I don't know what it's going to take, mm -hmm. but... We have to get over there. We do, yes. There is so much European excellence in the gaming puzzling world mm -hmm. that w you and I need to experience. Yes. Oh, uh, 100% agreed. We need to travel to Europe. That's... <laughs> yes, just hands down. Jared and Zach take, take over Europe. <laughs> Maybe we can do a couple episodes. Take the gear with us. That'd be fun. That would be a lot of fun. There's, You know how many people we'd have to go visit? Oh, and it's just a growing list. Like we could spend a month and still not probably get everything we'd want to done. I know. So we're saying it's the summer. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but no, thank you guys for coming to this episode. Um, we very much appreciate you guys all listening. And if you liked anything you heard about from dark park, we obviously both recommended both their games. You Conspiracy should play both of their games. A hundred percent. You should, um, Conspiracy 19, as well as witchery spell. You can actually find those games and purchase them at darkparkgames.com. There you'll be able to buy them. You'll be able to learn more about dark park itself and everything that's involved with it. Some other things as well. 
we just appreciate you guys always coming back and listening to more. I can't say that enough. You know, sometimes I feel like we don't say it enough on our episodes alone, but if you appreciate what we do and you like listening to us explain or talk about the games, um, put us on a regular download, um, follow us on our social medias. We're on Facebook and on Instagram at puzzling company. Uh, you know, message us if you have any comments about the show or if you just want to discuss things. Uh, I have been enjoying so much going to the puzzle people's group and just discussing things or, you know, I might not have the greatest discussion, but I get, I love laughing at <laughs> Errol and Anuj and, and a few other people when they make some really awesome comments, seeing some of the creators like Nick Moran in there. It, it's, it's always a blast. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it been for puzzling company. Jared, who do we have on the show next week? Next week, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, we're actually starting a new month and we are opening up with, oh, that's right, The Messenger. <gasps> Dude, I'm so excited to play The Messenger. Yes, it's it's new release week for us. So that means we have a game that's just recently been fulfilled from Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. And this one is going to be really cool. We will probably have many hours into this game. But we're super excited to have on the folks from Immersion Games mm -hmm. um, to come and talk about what they have done with this really cool at-home game. Uh, that's it from us here at Puzzling Company. Uh, it's Zach and Jared. J-Money! J-Money Jared. Oh, Jared, I sometimes... Uh, never mind, we're not even going to discuss on the show. We're glad you guys were here, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling.